Today on Locked On Anaheim Ducks, a captain's return sparks the lightning, and we open up the mailbag to end the week on today's Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, how's everyone doing on this Friday? The weekend is here. Welcome, everyone, to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, presented by Built Bar. I'm your host, Jason J.D. Hernandez. Make sure to rate, comment, and subscribe if you haven't already, and follow us on Twitter. Follow me at StimpyJD on Twitter. Follow the show at LO underscore Ducks. And you can hear this podcast or any of the other podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you hear your podcasts. So it's been kind of a long week. I'm just going to leave it at that and not talk about anything outside of hockey or sports in general. So we're going to dive right into what happened on Game 3 of the Stanley Cup Final. Yes, I know I said Dallas was going to come back on Game 3. Yeah, how wrong I was. Because, believe it or not, Steven Stamkos returned. Yeah, the Tampa Bay captain came back and did not play much. In the first period, Nikita Kucherov got the first goal of the game, that one unassisted, and that made it one nothing. And then it was the moment of the game by far. Off of a turnover, no less, uh, Jan Ruta picked up the puck, passed it over to Victor Hedman on the left side. He dished it right away to Steven Stamkos around the side of the neutral zone. And then whatever happened next, I still can't believe. Steven Stamkos kept the puck, drove it in himself. He entered it by himself on the right side, avoided a defender, and ripped a shot between, kind of close to between the faceoff dots, and he let that shot rip. And it went right past Anton Kudobin, and that made it 2 nothing Tampa Bay. But the way that the bench reacted... You would have thought that was the game-winning goal in Game 7. It was that miraculous for Steven Stamkos. He hasn't played in nine months. He tried to come back earlier in the playoffs, ended up having a pretty significant core injury, had to have another surgery, and after nine months, he is finally back with the Tampa Bay Lightning. We'll talk more about Stamkos in a second. But that goal made it 2 to nothing, and the, the crowd at Tampa Bay, or the crowd, like the viewing crowd, they pretty much erupted after that goal. It was amazing. The bench, they they erupted. That was amazing. Even the announcers for Tampa Bay, they loved that moment. They said, yeah, you couldn't have scripted that any better. He comes back right away, scores that emotional goal for his team. That sparked the entire rest of the game. Never mind that Dallas shot the next 12 shots, and they did get a shorthanded goal, from Jason Dickinson. Never mind all that. Once the second period started, it was all Tampa Bay. They outshot Dallas in that period 21 to 4. That was pretty much the game right there because in the second period, Victor Hedman, who probably should win the Conn Smythe Trophy should Tampa Bay win, he scored his 10th of the postseason. Braden Point scored his 11th, and Andre Palat scored his 10th. Just like that, it was 5 to 1. Tampa Bay. Yes, Miro Hiskinen did score a late goal for Dallas to give him a 5-2, I guess, deficit, but that was it. Tampa Bay really dominated that second period on the heels of Steven Stamkos, and the Tampa Bay Lightning defeated the Dallas Stars 5-2 in Game 3 of the Stanley Cup Final. They now lead the best of seven series two games to one. Steven Stamkos only had three or four shifts. 
he only played 2 minutes and 47 seconds. All of that time was in the first half of the first period. That was it. That was all Tampa Bay needed. He provided that extra little spark that Tampa Bay so desperately needed. And sometimes, even as a peewee team, a beer league team, sometimes you need that extra little spark when you least expect it. And those kind of emotional uplifts can help anyone out in any situation. And sometimes you have to look at the bigger picture here. So I'm going to look at the bigger picture here. Steven Stamkos is their emotional leader. Whether you like him or not, he provides leadership for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Remember, he was out there with the Lightning when they were winning the Eastern Conference Final. Stamkos came out there with the rest of his teammates. He was right there celebrating, and he was still somewhat hopeful that he would come back. But it wasn't expected that Stamkos was going to come back at all during this postseason. There was maybe some rumblings that he might try to play one game towards the end if they're up in the series, and that's about it. But to come back on a big Game 3 in the fashion that he did, that is beyond amazing. So kudos to Steven Stamkos. Even though he did not get one of the three stars of the game, uh, first star went to Victor Hedman, which is much deserved. Stamkos was still the player of the game, but not one of the stars of the game, if that makes any sense. Uh, Once again, only three minutes. That's all he needed to play. As far as Dallas, I mean, once Stamkos scored that goal, that was pretty much that was pretty much it. The emotional momentum was solely wearing a Tampa Bay jersey. And that's just the way it happened. I mean, once again, only three minutes. That's not bad. And going back to Steven Stamkos, on the postgame presser, he looked giddy as a kid. He was happy to be out there. He was even quoted, and I saw this on NBCSN, um, I was just out there to have fun. Yeah, that's all it was. He wanted to have fun. He wanted to play with his teammates again. Uh, It was amazing for him. He called it a dream come true. So take that for what you will. Uh, And also, just a little bit of a tidbit here. Stamkos became the first player since 1940 to score a goal while making his first postseason appearance in the Stanley Cup Final. Uh, As for what's going to happen afterwards, he did not play after the first period. Yeah, he only had, it ended up being five shifts. And here's what John Cooper said. Quote, It was probably as efficient of five shifts you're ever going to see in a National Hockey League playoff game. End quote. Here's what Stamco said to that. Quote, There's been a lot of hard work and different things going on behind the scenes. Just to be able to get out into a game and have an impact on a game, which a month ago may have never been possible, I was just really happy to obviously contribute in a game that I didn't play too much. As for his future playing, we still don't know yet. Um, He didn't play after the first period because it was an issue and it was too early to decide if he'll be ready for game four which is later today. Uh, We still don't know if he's going to be ready for Game 4. I would say it's a 50-50 chance. Uh, It's been diagnosed as a lower body injury, the ever-nebulous lower body injury definition, whatever it is. And we're not going to know exactly what it is. They're not going to elaborate on what he has. It's just a lower body injury. That's all it is. And yeah, there's going to be some stuff that's not going to be said. That's just how hockey is. 
you don't know what the exact extent of the injury is going to be. He may play one more game. Tampa could win game four, and they might trot him out there for a clinching game just in case. If they do go up 3-1, to one, they'll have three shots to win the cup. If Dallas wins, however, then it's going to be a whole new series, and it will be a best-of-three Stanley Cup final. And I'm really going to go off the board here because, as most of you know, I am not just a hockey fan. I'm a baseball fan, and I am also a basketball fan. I've always been a fan of the Los Angeles Lakers. And I'm going to go really old school for those of you that might enjoy some basketball history. So when I thought about Steven Stamkos's emotional goal, uh, he scored that early on. And to me, watching the game, it felt like that was all the Lightning needed. They needed that spark, and he gave it to them. Only playing about three minutes. That was amazing. This reminded me of something else, another basketball story. And this is going back 50 years, almost to the month. 50 years ago, in the 1970 NBA Finals, Willis Reed came out of the tunnel of the then-remodeled Madison Square Garden, or MSG4. Willis Reed stepped out in an emotional Game 7 appearance against the Los Angeles Lakers. Willis Reed hit his first shot from the corner. Yes, nothing but net. Then he did it again a minute later with his hamstring dragging behind him, and he made that other shot in. That was all the Knicks needed because Willis Reed was their captain and he was their emotional leader. So to see Willis Reed just make those two shots only played a few minutes and that was it. That was all the Knicks needed because after that, it was pretty much Knicks all the way. You know, Walt Frazier, he had a tremendous game, but that's all that Willis Reed needed. Before the game, it was uncertain whether Willis Reed was going to play or not. In fact, Marv Albert even said, you know, we didn't know if he was going to play or not. And what ended up happening, he tore his muscle in his thigh. Um, so he trained his hamstring earlier in the year. And then what turned out to be a muscle tear around the thigh, around the quads area, that was an emotional boost for the Knicks. And that was all he needed to do. So... That's what I like in that too. See, I'm not just a hockey guy. I'm a basketball guy. And there's a little bit of a history lesson for you all. So was this Stamkos' Willis Reed moment? Um, honestly, I would say, yeah. Uh, past sports, like sports convention would tell you that it's only game three and they still have to win two more games. But again, look at the bigger picture. Look at how much the Lightning were lifted up from the get-go of this game. Can you imagine if Dallas went up two games to one? Then the, then the um, pressure would be squarely all on Tampa. But now the pressure is on Dallas. And for the Stars, it's a must-win game. They must win to tie the series up at two games apiece and to have a decent shot at a comeback. Uh, once again, Game 4 is going to be later today on NBC. And then Game 5, the very next day, Saturday night on NBC. So those are the next two games in the Stanley Cup Final. We're going to head into the second intermission, not the first, because we had a little bit of a break there. But first, I want to talk to you guys about Built Bar. They are back and they are better than ever with new flavors such as Cherry Barcia and Cookies and Cream. 
which is delicious, guys. If you guys haven't tried it yet, they have been redesigned. They are fluffier. They are more marshmallowy. And as important as this is, it tastes like a candy bar. It's healthy and it tastes like candy. What is that? That is what I call amazing. Made with 100% dark chocolate. They even have some old standards like the double chocolate flavor. They are only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 17 grams of protein. So not only do they taste good, but they're good for you too. So head on over to BuiltBar.com and enter promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your next order. Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar in the land that tastes like a candy bar. And coming up after the second intermission, we're going to open up the mailbag and answer some questions. Stay locked in. Welcome back to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, presented by Built Bar. You're locked in with Jason J.D. Hernandez, and it's mailbag time. Uh, Once again, welcome to Friday. You made it through the week. Hurrah. We have a few questions to take care of, and thank you all for submitting some questions. I got a few of them here, and it's kind of weird doing a mailbag way off season and only a few days before the season comes to an end. But I figure with the draft coming up, I'll at least have one or two mailbag segments before the draft and maybe one more after the draft just to get some more of the fans involved. So I thought it'd be kind of fun to open up the mailbag and we'll begin with a question from at Noah Clipper 2, which is at Dodgers Nation. Yes, there are Dodger fans that are Ducks fans and vice versa. Yes, they exist. I actually have a couple personal friends that are both Ducks and Dodgers fans. So it can happen. I'm just saying. So this is once again from at Noah Clipper. How can the Ducks get back to the playoffs um, to win the Stanley Cup? Short answer, draft effectively and begin to look past some of the aging veterans after this offseason. And I'm going to elaborate on this last part first. The low risk signings this offseason helped. Yeah, this offseason, there was probably some better offseason moves or I guess in-season moves. Right before the break, uh, Nick Delorier, he signed a two-year extension worth a million a year. That was a cheap, cheap deal. Low risk, like that one a lot. Uh, Troy Terry got his extension, so that's been really good. Sonny Milano is going to be around for a couple more years, so that's really good. Low risk, uh, low AAV signings. Those are always good. Uh, you have Cody Curran. Jacob Larson, he got re-signed for uh, two more years. So another great move. Those are the kind of moves that the Ducks have to make, for example, to really stay in it. And I like, not the, not, I don't want to say low risk, but they're low cost re-signings. That's what the Ducks have to continue to do in order to compete in a high level that they want to. Uh, Brendan Gooley would be another example of that. As far as the draft, uh, they need shooting. Goaltending is also going to be kind of a big deal because we don't know if Ryan Miller is going to come back after this season. If he signs, he would re-sign for one more year and then he would retire. Uh, He said on multiple interviews that he does want that last year and he's specified saying his last year as in to say maybe a farewell tour of sorts. So that's one thing they have to address sooner rather than later is that backup goalie situation. Something else to keep in mind, there's an expansion draft coming up 
in about a year. The Seattle Kraken is going to be the 32nd team in the NHL. So they have to think about protecting certain players for that draft. So right now, I would say just kind of stand pat a little bit and let the young guys develop, which kind of, I guess, goes into the next question. It kind of melds in with this next question. And this is from Jared at Jared Ellis underscore 96. So thanks very much. What do you feel the Ducks need to do to become a consistent playoff contender again and to an extent a cup contender? That's a very tough question. What they might have to do is look past the veterans. And I know this is going to probably get some people to yell at me, but it might be time to move on from Ryan Getzloff. He is signed for one more season. He is the team captain, but he's going to be 36 He's got an $8.2 million cap hit right now. And yes, while a lot of Ducks fans don't want to see him go, I read the comments with some of the Ducks fans saying it might be time for him to move on. I mean, he's he's aging. Yeah, he is slowing down. You hate to admit it. But he's going to probably ask for a decent amount of money, but there's going to be some other team out there that's going to pay him a little bit more. And at that point, you just have to let him go. Uh, trading won't be an option because of that humongous cap hit. So you kind of have to let that one ride a little bit. So for the Ducks to become a consistent playoff contender, they need to let the youth develop. Look at how they did it back in 2004. They drafted effectively. They let the young guys develop within their system. Remember Ryan Getzloff and Corey Perry, they were part of the kid line back in 2004 and also 2006. They really developed... In that cup year in 2007 and ended up being an integral part of that 07 cup winning team. So that's what the Ducks would have to do. They have plenty of talent on their team. They have Sonny Milano right now. They have Troy Terry. They have Sam Steele, Max Jones. There could be a diamond in the rough there. On defense, they have a couple of great young guys. Jacob Larson is one that I mentioned that could be very good down the line for the Anaheim Ducks. Another defenseman that I really liked, I've mentioned, uh, Simone Benoit, who is on an entry-level contract. I think he has a very high ceiling, and so does maybe Hunter Drew. Yanni Hockenpot is older, but he's been working very hard, and I like him a lot. So it's got to be the young guys. And the older guys, they got to go. Like I said, uh, I don't anticipate them re-signing Matt Irwin or Michael Delzato. They would have been re-signed by now if they were going to stick around, but because they haven't, they're most likely just going to be like one for agency. That's definitely for the best. Cup contender is going to be a long way away. I'm just going to ad- admittedly say I don't see that happening in the near future. Maybe further on down the line, once they let that cap space disappear, then they can get a really solid free agent signing. But only after the contracts of Getzloff are done. Uh, once you stop paying money to Corey Perry, that's going to help a lot. So it, it'll take stuff like that. And thanks for that question. This one comes to us from Locked on Hurricanes or at LO underscore Hurricanes. And their name right now is LO underscore Canes stands Dallas. They're a Dallas Stars stand account. And this one kind of is too, since Andrew Cogliano and Corey Perry are also on the Dallas Stars. So I guess this is kind of a stand account, I guess. Uh, But this question says, what would be the Ducks' ideal adult beverage? 
like Arcane's Beer Storm Brew. Storm Brew sounds really good. Um, I don't recall the Ducks having any major drinks like that, where it's named after the Ducks. But I'll shout out a couple of breweries here because they're quite good. Anaheim Brewery is obviously the big local one around here. They've been around for over 100 years. They've got some great events. They got Taco Tuesdays. Anaheim Brewery is the place to go. It's in the Packing District. Uh, Another one that I like a lot, and people know about this one, Ballast Point. Ballast Point Brewing is very popular in San Diego. It's extremely popular in Anaheim. It's popular in the San Diego County, Orange County area. They have some great food at their actual brewery, but amazing beer. If you have a chance before going to a San Diego Goals game, or if you're driving down from the OC to a Goals game, they have a really awesome brewery with some great fish tacos. Highly check it out very much. Uh, what other breweries do they have around here? Um, I know Brewery X is kind of a big one. Oh, um, Golden Road. How can I forget about Golden Road Brewing? They have some great stuff too. Uh, another one that is a big place to go for Ducks fans before and after the game. And I've been there. It's really cool. Noble Ale Works. Uh, it's right near Honda Center. You got to stop by there at some point. Something that I like, I've grown more into stouts and they have really awesome milk stouts. So Noble Ale Works, place to check out. But yeah, just some some ideas for you. But as far as really good drinks for Ducks fans, ideal adult beverage right now it's got to be a stout because you need all the alcohol you can possibly get on seasons like this so yeah i'll go with that and we have one more question from a raiders fan which is just sin baby i like that see it's it's a play on words folks for those of you that are not in california uh, one of the mottos of the raiders is just win baby aside from you know the big one commitment to excellence but this is from at just underscore sin underscore baby. So instead of just win baby, just sin baby, because the Raiders are now in Las Vegas. This is a great two-part question, so thank you for that. Why won't ownership change the logo and colors back to the Mighty Ducks? I'll answer that one first. Uh, the Mighty Ducks logo is simply owned by Disney. Once the Disney company sold the team, or sold the majority stake to the team, to the current ownership then they were no link, no longer able to use that logo per se for a long time. They actually couldn't even use that logo in any throwbacks for a while. So that one was completely gone for a long time, only by having a deal with Disney that they were able to use the logo once again in various forms, obviously throwbacks being one of them. So it is an ownership thing and it is a rights thing. So that's why they couldn't change the logo and colors back to the Mighty Ducks. Although, I'm with you. I like the old Anaheim Mighty Ducks colors. I love the eggplant. I love the teal. That is the best. That was the best logo in all of sports for a short while there. So they should change it back. I'd like to, but it's not possible right now. So that's just the honest, brutal truth. But I'm with you. That should come back. And this second part of the question... This one, I this is a great question. Where will the San Diego Goals play while a new arena is built in San Diego? So I've talked about Pechanga Arena several times on this very podcast. And there is a deal going on 
where they're going to redevelop that entire area around Pechanga Arena, what was then known as San Diego Sports Arena. So for those of you outside the area, this is a bit of news. So Brookfield and ASM, they narrowly beat out a plan submitted by Midway Sports and Entertainment. Uh, ASM currently operates the Pechanga Arena. So in the in the initial proposals, they were going to have limited updates. But public outcry wants either an extensive renovation or a brand new arena. And honestly, I'd be okay with the latter. As much as I like Pachanga Arena as it is right now, it's an aging building. It is over 50 years old. It is time for a major renovation or a new arena. The new arena is going to be much more expensive. I don't know if they necessarily need a new arena. So here's my proposal for that. Do what the New York Islanders did. The Islanders didn't get rid of Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum. No, they kept Nassau at the place that they're currently at. And they just did a complete renovation. Um, Not a complete like 100% overhaul, but I would say they really improved most of the arena. And in fact, I'm hoping to go out there this coming season to watch one more game at Nassau. They redid the exterior. They redid much of the interior. Apparently, the concourses are a little bit wider now, which I'd be very grateful for because those concourses are really damn narrow in that arena. They're, yeah, they're bad. So that's a possible idea for the goals is to do an extensive renovation. So to answer that other part of the question, where are they going to play? Well, I mean, here's one idea. If they're only going to be out for one season, this is probably not the best idea, but it's a decent... I mean, why not have some games at the Ponda, big arena, the fans will come out for those rain versus goals games, so why not have some games at the Ponda, and maybe have some games at Great Park Ice. That's a fantastic facility out in Irvine. They have They had college hockey there. They had a few thousand fans there turn out to see the ASU Sun Devils versus the Harvard Crimson hockey team. So that might be a decent option. Maybe for some of the, I don't want to say lesser teams, but maybe the teams that don't draw as much. Like maybe the Barracuda, they don't draw as big a crowd. The Stockton Heat, if they're still around, they don't draw that big a crowd. Yeah, that's another whole other thing in general is we might not have a Stockton Heat team if it's going to be over a year when the AHL comes back. And there's some rumors going on about if the AHL is going to go on or not. I'm not going to go into that now. But Great Park is a great facility. Honda is always there. So those are two possibilities. It's only one year if that happens. So yeah, those are my thoughts on that. Thank you all for the questions. Uh, Just Sin Baby, thanks for the question. Feel free to email again. I I liked that one a lot. So once again, Just Sin Baby. Yep, uh, commitment to excellence on that question there. So thank you all for sending in your questions. I didn't expect to get more than maybe two or three. So thanks for those. Um, that's going to do it for today's and this week's Locked on Anaheim Ducks. Don't forget to rate, comment, subscribe if you have not already. And be sure to tune into this podcast and all other Locked on NHL podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you hear your podcasts. And tell your smart device to play Locked on NHL. We are coming towards the end of the season. Maybe a couple of 
former Ducks could win their cup. The Stars could come back. You never know. So we'll be back on Monday to talk about the two games on Friday and Saturday that took place. And then we have something special coming up pretty soon after that. And also, also, don't forget, we have a live show next week. More details are going to come out soon about that. So make sure you are locked into the Twitter accounts. My personal one is at StimpyJD, and the podcast Twitter is at LO underscore Ducks. Once again, we have live shows coming up, so stay tuned for that. Once again, thank you all for listening. Thank you for the questions, and thank you all for sticking with us for six and a half months where we've had no hockey, but we're still going to keep going here. So thank you all so very much. To end the week for Locked on Anaheim Ducks, I'm Jason J.D. Hernandez saying have a great weekend. Stay safe out there. Be kind to everyone. And Ducks fly together. <laughs>